Welcome to Blue by 90, episode 22. On today's episode, we talk about the draft. NFL draft was this week, so of course we have to go through all the players that were drafted. Uh, we talk about some of the players that weren't drafted. Um, then we jump into uh, our on-field performance, those players and their impact at Michigan. Um, then we talk about the replacements for those players who were drafted. And finally, we end on our new segment, 0 to 90. Is the University of Michigan. Touchdown, Michigan! And the court extra pass. And it goes for the win! The three-pointer by Jordan Poole. Down the sideline. Gables Jones. Welcome to Blue by 90, your Michigan Wolverines podcast. We are four dudes talking about maize and blue. I'm Kalen, joined by Nate, Jack, and Roe. Guys, how you doing out there? Good. Not too bad. Awesome. Everybody looks healthy. Good to see. Rose, Rose got the sunburn right now. <laughs> came, came straight off the uh, golf course today, so I'm, a, I'm as red as a lobster. But um, first time seeing sunshine here up in uh, in Michigan, so I'll take the redness uh, for a little color in my face. It's a badge of honor. Exactly. How'd you play out there? Decent. Uh, you know the front nine went well, and shot a forty six on the front nine. I'm a very very average golfer, bogey plus golfer, and uh, fell apart on the back nine a little bit. You know, you go into the clubhouse. You grab a couple more beers, and then, you know, things get a little dicey usually towards the end. <laughs> Good to hear. All right, guys. Uh, let's just jump right into it, right? NFL draft was this week. Great for us, right? I mean, we had, what, a total of 11 players drafted? 10. 10 players drafted? That's number awesome. Two, it, was, we, it was LSU was number one with 14 players, and then we, we were tied with... Ohio State, last, I don't remember last time we were even that close to them uh, in anything, but uh, we tied with Ohio State with 10, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Let's go over, uh, I guess, let's start with just all the guys who were drafted, right? I mean, number one from our team off the board, uh, Cesar Ruiz, right? First round, I think he was, what, the 24th pick, um, went to the New Orleans Saints, and he was looking pretty emotional on TV. I mean, I was, I mean, I was just glad to see Cesar because I just love Cesar. Jack, what do you think about that? Well, I don't know if he heard um, that Jameis Winston was going to be the backup quarterback at the Saints, and maybe that's why he was crying. But uh, I'm, I'm happy for him, man. Dude's a fucking clown, and uh, he makes me laugh, and he's, he's a great offensive lineman, so I'm happy. I'm happy everybody got to see that video of him uh, before he went to the squat rack. With him dancing, I'm happy that now that's like a everybody in the nation has seen that. Yeah, he. I mean, he's a great kid, and he deserved it. He's a guy though that I, I think two years ago, none of us, you know, he was a good prospect. None of us would have thought that he'd become a first round draft pick. Um, you know, he performed very well for us, but definitely a guy who has you know developed well in his years um, in college. So very happy for him. Yeah, awesome. That guy deserves it. Uh, moving on into round number two, Josh Uche, right? He, he was talked up a lot before the draft. 
Um, his draft stock was just kind of going up and up and up. So awesome to see him get picked in the second round by New England Patriots. So he'll be joining Chase Winovich, right? So that'll be a great defensive line. Ro, what do you think about Uche? Yeah, I think that, you know, all of the talk on Michigan, especially the coaching staff, got some flack when Uche got picked. And and it wasn't because of him. Um, It was because how they didn't use him. Um, they kept saying, you know, he was only used on 40%, I think, of snaps uh, last year. And so they were saying, how did you, how did you possibly take this guy off the field? So um, there is there is some deserved flack that Michigan coaching staff can take and Don Brown and everyone else. But um, he's also – he's a pass-rushing guy. And he was in on 100% nearly of pass-rushing um, downs. And then when we – you know, when teams got up on us and they started running the ball, then we had to have the big boys come in. You know, he wasn't the guy that's a beefy guy on the edge that can really, um, you know, set the edge. He's a guy who's going to make a move and be faster than the, that tackle. So I don't know if all that flack was deserved um, to the Michigan coaching staff. But you know what? Hey, he is a kid that has worked his ass off for the past three years and just killed it for Michigan. So um, he's well, de- well deserved uh, a second round. And, and it was crazy to see how quickly and high he got up on the, uh, on the draft boards come Saturday. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, Cesar Ruiz and Josh Uche, those guys were picked top two rounds. Um, but from there, uh, most of our guys were picked kind of rounds forward and down. Um, so in the fourth round, we had Ben Bredesen to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and the Ravens were just kind of having a really good draft, right? Nate, I know you were saying, talking about this in our chat. Yeah, I, I thought the J.K. Dobbins pick that they made was uh, just really smart because I, I think uh, J.K. Dobbins is a he's a stud um, and he's going to work really well with Lamar Jackson. So uh, I think Bredesen going there is is great. I mean, fourth round pick. I feel like he's the type of guy who in you know two years could be a starting starting lineman there. So it's cool to see also uh, him go play for uh, Jim's brother, John. So it's like, it's, it's really cool. And you know, what's really weird about the Ravens too. It's like, they got a lot of Ohio state people. They got three Ohio state guys. So it's like weird to me. I'm like, is Jim telling John like how envious he is of these players and then he's (laughs) drafting them. It's, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I saw an interview. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, he watches them kick the shit out of Michigan every year, um, <laughs> so he knows how good they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw an interview with uh, J.K. Dobbins where they're asking him, like, well, I, you hate Michigan, but you're going to play for their coach's brother. What do you think about that? And he was like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, give John some flack here and there that I beat his brother all three times I played him. It's like, <laughs> oh, thanks. Low-hanging fruit there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving into the fifth round, Kalik Hudson went to the Redskins. Um, it's kind of an interesting pick. I, I always felt like Kalik was maybe kind of hanging out in space a lot, but he always had a lot of tackles at the end of the day, so he was a pretty productive player. Um, but from there, also in the fifth round, uh, Michael Dana to the Chiefs. Um, any thoughts on Michael Dana? I mean, I thought he was just kind of a solid uh, you know, second tier plug and play kind of player in the, on the line there. But any thoughts on him? I mean, honestly, both of those picks kind of shocked me. Yeah. I, I didn't think 
uh, Kalik or Mike Dana. I think they were kind of fringe guys on, at least for me, as far as like if I thought they were going to get drafted or not. Um, so they both kind of shocked me. I mean, one thing with like, especially with Mike Dana, like you said, kind of more like just seemed to be an average player for me. Um, so I didn't expect him to get drafted at all. Uh, but I remember we went to the Minnesota game where Kalik had like eight tackles for loss. Yep. So we kind of were able to see, you know, what he could do, um, where he's got that potential to be a very, very good or a very solid linebacker in the NFL. Um, but either way, both those kind of shocked me, but happy for both of them to be able to live their dream. Yeah, I always thought of Kalik as a little bit more of like a strong safety. You know, he just has that body type. He doesn't, he's not like, you know, 240 or something. He's like, I don't know, 215 is where I see him. Ro, you I, look like you got something to say. <laughs> I Well, I just worry about his size at the next level. I think, you know, he he has been undersized even at the college level, and he made up for it with um, quickness and speed, and he laid the hit stick all the time. So, you know, whether it, it wasn't, you know, just he wasn't going to manhandle anybody, but he laid the wood a lot, and and, um, and that helped, and, and it was an intimidating factor. But I do think as far as he's kind of a tweener, you know, as far as a linebacker, he's not ultimate, you know, ultra fast, but he's not ultra big either. So you end up kind of, like you said, in space where he can't play down on the line a whole lot, um, or is he going to be able you know, I'm thinking about him dropping back to cover a slot guy in the NFL – that might not end up too well for him. So um, I, I am a little bit worried about Kalik as much as I loved him at Michigan. Um, he had the all the energy in the world, but I, I can see him maybe um, just being a special teams guy um, at the next level. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, analysis there. And then moving on into the sixth round, uh, big Michael Onwenu, also to the Pats, man. The Pats are just stacking up these Michigan players. I love it. <laughs> Uh, also, sixth round, DPJ finally went. I know we've all had a lot of thoughts on DPJ, uh, you know, leaving Michigan early to go to the draft. Nate, what do you think about DPJ's draft place here, sixth round? Well, I think it, it was interesting to see, like, so it's like you got, he's going to the Browns, right? And then Detroit got a couple Ohio State guys. So it's like this weird state flip flop. You see, you've seen it where it's like, Michigan and Ohio State players are now going to be like on the same team. So I thought that was interesting. But I guess with DPJ, I don't know. I'm still kind of disappointed he didn't stay uh, another year. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, there was a lot of wide receivers that were taken prior to him. Wide receivers who I've never even heard of before. Um, and so I think it was kind of disappointing to me that he was taken in the sixth round. Um, I think he could have stayed another year and I think he could have increased his draft stock. So that's just my take on it. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think that DPJ is a guy that at the beginning of this past year, he was already gone, you know, in his mind, he went into this season saying, I'm an NFL guy. He thought he was going to be a first round guy from the beginning of the season and sat out some games because of it. Um, you know, from I, I'm going to sound like Adam Schefter right now, but from my sources inside Schembechler Hall, um, you know, <laughs> he he, um, he was just soft. All those receivers were super soft and, and specifically Tariq and DPJ. And they thought that they were everything and didn't have to practice and and sat out with minor injuries. Um, the actual the the real word was that. 
Um, you know, Rashawn Gary in uh, 2018 had injury issues and ended up playing through them. And although he still got drafted high in the in the um, first round, at, I think the 12th pick, he could have been a top five pick if he would have been healthy all year and put up real stats. So um, the word inside Schembechler was that his mom was in the ear of DPJ and Tariq's um, parents saying, hey, make them sit out if they have anything going on, you know, any tweaks or anything that's not worth it to play through it. Um, they need to, you know, put up stats and be healthy for the NFL for the next level. And so Tariq took that to heart and DPJ took that to heart. And and DPJ with his ankle half halfway through the year was, you know, he could have played if he wanted to, but they were just charming soft and, and didn't want to be there. They thought they were NFL guys already and they wanted the ball more than they were getting it. And so, you know what, it, it's just frustrating to me when – we see that from Michigan guys, and Ohio State has stud receivers better than our guys who are playing through things and not acting like that. And so that's the, honestly so frustrating to me as a Michigan fan when we have these guys. And I know DPJ is a five-star, but he didn't show anything to me that saying you're a five-star first-round draft pick You know, at any point. You know, maybe a few spectacular plays. But, you know, outside of him scoring the touchdown uh, to beat MSU at MSU last year in 2018, what is he going to be remembered for at Michigan? You know, so it's just frustrating to me when these five-star guys come in, think they're hot shit, and then don't perform for us. So seems to be a common theme going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I agree with Rashawn Gary's mom. If you are actually good and putting up numbers, sit out. Get your money, get paid. But DPJ and Tariq weren't those guys, right? Like nope. they had the potential to be. I, I'm somebody who will 100% say I believed in Tariq, thought he was going to be the number one guy. Um, we all know DPJ had the talent, but they never put up the numbers. So for guys like that, they should absolutely not be trying to sit out because they need to play games to actually get their numbers up because they don't have numbers to even put up. And if you're sitting out when you're already not putting up numbers – you're screwing yourself, and that's why you get drafted in the sixth round. Yeah, I mean, I was reading an article uh, where a Cleveland reporter actually asked DPJ about his lack of production, and he says that he didn't think that that was a fair analysis of his career at Michigan, which I think is an interesting narrative to try to spin it, right? Because he didn't have the greatest QBs thrown to him. But I also think that great players play beyond their situation, right? Great players really take that next step where you go like, wow, right? Antonio Brown at Central Michigan, like, great example. I don't think uh, he had a five-star quarterback throw into him there. You right, know? exactly. <laughs> right. And, and I think that – so word is um, also of why DPJ went so far – slid so far down in the draft is that in his draft interviews with the NFL teams, he trashed Harbaugh in the offense at Michigan. So he trashed them two NFL coaches, not a very smart thing to do when his brother is a coach in the NFL and Harbaugh's connected to nearly every coach in there, you know, former NFL coach himself. So I, I don't know if he's just, I think he just has a sour attitude and, it, and it's hurting him or it's showing to a lot of these NFL teams. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But I, I would also, can I also mention something? Yeah. The, 
Like, I, I would say, like, guys like Tariq and DPJ, like, I, I don't know anything about, like, their injuries at all. You know, we knew that Tariq was, had a really bad injury to start his career off at Michigan. But, you know, despite that, I think just the amount of depth that was in that position this year, it was pretty clear that they weren't going to be even taken in the second round, right? So there's, it just seemed like no point. I mean, you had guys like C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, uh, Rugs, Jerry uh, Judy, Jerry Judy. Uh, man, there's so many guys. On I, on. Arizona I State guy, but but KJ Hill, Ohio State receiver, he got drafted hella late, and I yeah. he was a stud. Yeah, I mean it was it was a super deep draft for sure. KJ KJ Hamler, I mean it's just so many guys. I just it just didn't it didn't make sense to me, but whatever. Well, and you yeah. think about, I mean, okay, let's let's talk about KJ Hill versus DPJ then. K.J. Hill tore us up every single game he played against Michigan and had a huge career. And he goes, you know, even later than DPJ, I believe, right? Yeah, I so, think so, so, yeah. So then we, that means, you know, what that says to me is, how is Ohio State using a seventh-round pick and making him into an all-star, but we have a, a five-star in DPJ and a six-round pick, and he, you know, doesn't put up the stats? You know, I, that is where I'm like, all right, maybe it does fall on the coaching staff at some point. And that's something, too, where DPJ, you may – I mean, you may be right in trashing Harbaugh, but don't say it. Like, Don't be an idiot. Don't, Come on, don't be man. an idiot. Like, you might be right. You might have the facts, but, like, don't say that out loud, especially in a draft interview. Come on, man. It's like, it's like going Smart to – You got to know better than that. And, and you got to have your parents and your agent and everybody else telling you. It's like it's like going to your a new job and trashing your old boss so badly that the new boss is probably like, there's got to be something wrong with you that your boss can't be that bad, <laughs> you know? 100%. Yeah. Well, we still wish DPJ the best <laughs> going forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, yeah. all that being said. Still a Michigan guy. I mean uh, – He's got his work coming out for him uh, at the Cleveland Browns, but I'm sure with his talents, uh, he'll take him very far. Uh, anyways, moving on more in the sixth round here, John Runyon. Hey, little John Runyon. Good for him. Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Solid pick, man. Hey, I thought I, it was, was a great pick. Say here. Good for him. Yeah. After, yeah. after Green Bay's disastrous first-round pick, I mean, what <laughs> – can we talk about that a little bit? I know it's not related to Michigan football. Oh, my gosh. That was the worst pick I've ever seen. It absolutely baffles me. The Bears and and the Vikings, they've they've been known to take top quarterbacks. Like So we had Christian Ponders, who, who was taken by the Vikings. Terrible pick. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, when he was taken by the Bears, I was at that draft in Philly, and people were like looking at each other like, what the hell is going on? Everybody right? was very confused by that. Everybody was very confused. This was even more confusing because you trade up into the draft and take a guy who's – oh, my God. And you, just, and, and you have – I just, mean, I know Aaron Rodgers. You have Aaron Rodgers, who's arguably the most talented quarterback in the league still – at 36 years old, you know, I know we have Pat Mahomes and we have others, but like A-Rod is still doing it, you know, like as an Alliance fan, I've watched him tear us up year in and year out. Yep. And so that just, it did blow my mind. Well, to bring it back to John Runyon, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can't say how much he's improved. I mean, two years ago, right? We were going like, John, you're literally missing blocks. People are running through you, running you over, getting around you. And then he came back his fifth year, and we were like, wow, he's actually improved a lot in a short amount of time. I feel so solid with him in uh, as a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, I think he sat out with injury the first couple games, came back, and we were like, thank God he's back in the game. Uh, so it's good to see John make that kind of improvement and then get to play in the NFL. So uh, Also in the sixth round, Josh Metellus, Minnesota Vikings. Jack, what do you think about Josh? <laughs> shocked. Shocked. <laughs> I, I, I saw him get burned too many times to oh, think man. he could – get drafted in the NFL. I, I know I told you guys, I, I, I like him as a person and I'm, you know, great that he played for Michigan, but man, we, I don't know. I, I, I I've got nothing to say. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I, I thought, I I thought Josh, he made some, he made some plays at Michigan. We, we all know that he got burned by KJ Hamlin. Right. But you know, I feel like some of that's, who knows? I mean, maybe KJ Hamler yeah. becomes an absolute monster in the NFL. So I, Look, some guy like I mean, he got drafted in what seventh round, so sixth, sixth, sixth round. So I mean, look, hey, you know, there's a lot of coaches who are like, you know, this guy's been productive. He's played a lot of games in Michigan. Let's give him a shot. You know, they they're not taking these six round draft picks. I think is, um, I, I don't know. I think I think he's a great player. I think that's a good pick for them. I I agree with you, you there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree with you there, and and I know you know he. I think he was put on an island a lot at Michigan by Don Brown's scheme. And you know what? I'm sorry. I don't know if it mattered. You know, unless it's Daxton Hill running a four three. You know, KJ Hamler is going to burn seven out of ten people there at safety. He's just so fast. And so, um, although it it you know costs us some games at sometimes. Um, I think him in the sixth round, he probably interviewed really well with teams. He's like the nicest guy out there, like unbelievably good kid, great character. So, and he's, he was a three-year starter for us and a captain. So he's smart, knows the defenses, knows, you know, probably uh, had great film uh, breakdowns and things like that. So for a team in the sixth round and they're, you know, as a backup, they're trying to help. Um, you know, that whole safety and defensive back room, which I think he can add to more than just his athletic ability. I think yeah. he's a really big safety, too. I mean, he's a pretty he's, physical yeah. guy. So. He's, he's built, man. Like he, he looks like like when you look at him, like you think he's going to be a dominant player at whatever his position he's at. Just going off of my memories from him, that's that's what I've got is him getting burned, not just by Hamler. Um, so that's, that's basically where my head goes right to when I think of Metellus, but again, like the kid, hopefully it's just the fact that he was put on an Island at Michigan with Don Brown's defense and he does really well in the NFL. Um, I mean, obviously I hope for that, but, um, yeah, other than that, I've I've got nothing on. He's also a three-star recruit. So it's good to see a three-star get developed and get a shot in the NFL. Especially because we have quite a few three stars. We have quite a few three stars coming in now, so. Hopefully yeah. they can stick with it. <laughs> yeah. Keep well, shortly, Ohio State. Oh, yeah. shortly after Metellus was drafted, uh, Jordan Glasgow, Indianapolis Colts, another guy who actually I think was a walk-on, right? I think all the Glasgows Plus, were walk-ons. He had no offers. 
that's unbelievable, right? Didn't get a shot until his fifth year and then ends up getting drafted. So good job. I uh, would, I would like to point out, I would like to point out that I called him Devin Bush 2.0, I think in our second episode ever. So I'll take, I'll take credit for, you know, <laughs> seeing the um, diamond in the rough. Thank you. He must Jack. have heard you. Yeah. Thanks he for heard passing you. that on to Don Brown. We appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> I got Donnie on the phone now. <laughs> No, I think I think, we, I I think mean, we said he had that Mel Gibson like flow, right? From uh, <laughs> Braveheart. From Braveheart, yeah. He's got some great hair. He does have great hair. I do. I mean, the Glasgow story is absolutely incredible, though. I I know that was pointed out a couple times over the weekend, but three guys, all walk-ons at Michigan, all turned into starters, and all drafted. I, that's got to be the first time ever that's ever happened, right? Oh, it has to be. Got to be. Yeah. Got to be. So that an, an incredible story. And I saw a couple things that they should um, they should 100% have a Glasgow award for the best walk-on of the year at for in Michigan football. 100%. Okay. And then moving on to the undrafted free agents, uh, Jack's favorite player of all time, tight end Sean McCune, went to the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Okay, I knew he wasn't going to get drafted, so that was not a shock. Um, but the real honestly, shocker is Lavert Hill. How did he shocked. get drafted? Oh my goodness! Kansas City Chiefs decided to take a shot on him, but what the hell, man? Like, oh, Ro, you got to bring this into perspective for me. I mean, I truly like you. You went back to even 2018. When we had, you know, two lockdown corners there. And I, I remember looking at those stats of Levert and saying, you know, seeing he had, you know, 5% or something like that with completion percentage against him. You know, crazy stats. And he played man-to-man 95% of his career at Michigan, just absolutely locking guys down. So I cannot believe that he didn't get drafted. And to see, you know, as a Michigan fan, like we said, Who's watched that defense give up some some uh, some big plays? It's rarely, 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 rarely ever been on the on the corners on the sides. You know, it's always in the middle of the field. And so, for to see Metellus go and then Lavert Hill not, very shocking to me. I would love to you know talk to the the NFL GMs or hear from them on why that was because it seems to me like it must have been something other than just talent there. There had to be some other thing going on, and I don't want to start any rumors or anything like that, but it just seemed to me like he there had to be some other issues or something. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Now, the one guy that we didn't mention is probably not as surprising, but also very surprising. Shea Patterson, undrafted. What is going on here? Nate, you got you to explain this. Um, I think the draft to me, there's, you know, two, two players that just really stood out to me and kind of the things that you've been hearing from the fan base, like, oh man, Shay's, you know, he's really not performing well, you know, look at, we saw that the coaches in the NFL saw that, you know, things with like, man, DPJ hasn't been productive, right? We saw that the, the coaches in the NFL saw that. So to me, Shay Patterson was like, okay, we all saw that he wasn't very productive. Um, he overthrew a lot of balls, wasn't very accurate. Um, 
scrambled around the pocket, didn't step forward in the pocket, uh, just things that you know what I mean. Gosh. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> no, <laughs> like I, I'm just I, like I reiterating my whole self with this whole Shea Patterson thing. We all know it. We all saw it. The coaches saw it. The result happened. We know exactly what you're talking about, right? Because this is our problem. We see all these guys drafted, and and we go like, we're not getting production out of these skill positions, right? I mean, you look at the guys who, or, or sorry, you look at the teams that played in the playoff, and they have elite quarterbacks, right? I mean, look at Jalen Hurts, look at uh, Joe Burrow. Um, I mean, even like next year, I mean, Trevor Lawrence might be first off the board, but our QB goes undrafted. I mean, that says a lot about, you know, our team in general. Um, well, and, uh, uh, go ahead, Nate. Go oh, ahead. Hey, so, so, Kalen, you were also telling me before the podcast uh, that we had four, if you just think about it, we had four linemen go, right? Yeah. But the quarterback doesn't go. So it shows you that it's really not the offensive line. Um, it's, it's, you know. Yeah, great point, Ro. So, okay, so my question then is, is that Shea Patterson sucking? Or is that our offense, you know, whether it's Gaddis or Harbaugh or the development or whoever, I know he's a transfer, but how do we have a five-star quarterback come in with an offensive line that is amazing and he still can't put up the stats or get it done? You know, I look back at him at Ole Miss and – you know, even he didn't play that many games, you know, 10 total games. But in his sophomore year at Ole Miss, uh, he he played in seven games before he tore his ACL. He threw for 2,200 yards, over 2,200 yards in seven games. In last year, he played in 13 games and threw for 3,000. So double seven games, you know, he's throwing for almost 5,000 yards at Ole Miss. And I know they're more, they're going to sling it more than we would at Michigan. They're running gun. You know, it was a different offense, but I think that's on the coaching staff that we are suppressing these guys so much to say, Hey, don't make a mistake. You know, keep the ball in here. Or, or We're not letting them flourish and letting them grow as a quarterback. You're going to make mistakes. You know, you're going to, you're going to throw the ball into double coverage sometimes, but we, with a guy with Shea Patterson's talent and go back and watch his film at Ole Miss, he was running all over the place and making plays just like on the run. That was when he was best. It was almost like Denard-esque where the best play was a broken play, you know, where he scrambles and makes a play. We never gave him the chance really to do that here at Michigan. And I think we were holding him back. And so I, I'm not a huge advocate for Shea because his arm, was nothing as advertised, uh, you know, when, when he was coming here. But I just think that I, I hope in the future, and I think that for Shea, you know, we got to let these guys grow into themselves instead of, say, you know, we're, I feel like we're just holding them back and keeping them in this bu- bubble to make them, you know, a, a serviceable quarterback instead of making them that, you know, that Heisman type guy. You look at Shea last year had 23 touchdown passes, which is the most that Michigan has had for, I think, almost 20 years. Joe Burrow had 50 last year. <laughs> you know, 60. that's not, was it? I think he had 60. 
Hold on. Well, keep going. I'm gonna look it up. Keep going. I'm gonna look I up. thought it was fifty, but okay, that's double of what we had. More than double of what we had this year, and that's the most we've had in the last 15, 20 years. Like, man, at some point you gotta let the offense roll and we gotta score some points and not put this all on Don Brown to keep every team, you know, below fourteen. If that wasn't the greatest defense of Shea Patterson I've heard on <laughs> any show, then... 60 touchdowns. Well, was can, can I say something? When he was at Ole Miss, right, one of the things that they had talked about is he, you know, had a lot of interceptions. So, look, I, I we see the highlights. We saw some really great plays from Shea when he was at Ole Miss, but honestly, I can't say that I've watched a full Ole Miss game, right, to see, like, how he really is um, performing. So, and also he had an injury, and uh, I know, you know, there's a lot of medical advances and stuff today, but, I mean, still, for a lot of people, if you have an MCL issue or an ACL or something like that, I mean, it can affect you, like, for a long time. Not everybody's Adrian Peterson. Um, I just think that there's – yeah, I understand there's, like, frustration with the quarterback position, but, I mean, sometimes you just get unlucky, man. We've seen plenty of times before we've had five-star guys, right? Kevin Grady really didn't turn out to anything. Derek Green didn't really turn out to anything. Um, it's just kind of sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you know, and it, sometimes it doesn't turn out the way you'd want. I mean, we had Jake, or Jake Rudock, who developed a lot. Um, we had uh, Wilton Spate, who had – one year and sometimes you know he he was a three-star guy and then the next year he got hurt so we didn't really get to see him fully maybe develop into that quarterback we had John O'Corn then who just did not have the skill set and then we have Shea Patterson so look I really think that um maybe in two years right we'll be able to look back and go like okay if we couldn't have done it with Dylan or Joe, like maybe there is something up, but I still feel like it's a little bit too early. And I think some of the player personnel just hasn't been um, maybe what it is. And you can't expect, like, I get it. We have to like, you know, uh, recruit these kids and whatnot, but look at man, there's only so much you can do. There's what, probably two or three quarterbacks that are like, okay, this guy's going to be a stud. Guess where he goes? He goes to Clemson. He goes to Alabama. So you have to, I think you just got to give it a little bit more time and then we can make, we can start talking about like whether we've, it's been a failure trying to develop these quarterbacks. I think there's a little bit of truth in both sides, right? I mean, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if Jim Harbaugh was very obstinate and wants everybody to do things his way. And that prevents, you know, Shea, who at one point was called Johnny Mansell 2.0 from being that kind of player. Right. Um, so, but also, you know, maybe Shea wasn't as advertised, so it was a little bit of that as well. So it can be kind of a, you know, a mix of the two uh, to form the perfect storm for our situation. I say perfect storm, but ultimately Shea was a very good quarterback at U of M statistically, right? Uh, just couldn't get it done against just the monolith that is Ohio State at this point. Um, but this is a good segue into kind of our next segment here about our on-field report, or, or sorry, our on-field performance. Um, I mean, we had 10 guys drafted, which is great, but why can't we beat Ohio State? Jack, please walk me through this one. 
Um, that that's a great question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, we just talked about Shea Patterson at quarterback. Right. I think inconsistency at that position, you, you can't get anywhere with that, right? Like you look at all these great teams, like we've said, like all teams that go to the playoff, they have playmakers at wide receiver, at quarterback, at running back, where we're missing a key position in a quarterback, and Shea wasn't our guy. And obviously Ohio State's at, you know, they're at a different level, but uh, if you don't have a quarterback that can be consistent and you know what you're going to get out of him and consistently hit – receivers when he's supposed to you can't you can't do anything so um we we just got to see what happens with milton and mccaffrey and uh i mean obviously we can develop defensive guys you know we can develop players we just can't develop shay i don't know that's that's where i'm at with it that's a good point bro well i mean here's the thing you know on the surface it looks like we had 10 draft picks and they had 10 draft picks we should be Side by side, right? But Ohio State had, in the first three rounds, had seven guys picked. We had two. You the once you get past the third round, it's really iffy if guys are you know they're they're they'll probably make the roster, but they're not contributing right away. It let alone in the you know second year. You know when you when you're drafted in the first three rounds, you're at least you're going for a starting position in the NFL or you already have it. And so that's the difference is they have these guys that are in the first three rounds, seven of them this year. And those guys are at our NFL talent right away. We have guys, you know, we had five guys in the sixth round. We're a sixth round type of team. That's what we are, man. And it's, you know, in, it's not that that's bad. We are fan, you know, um, you know, compared to the rest of the country, even the rest of the Big Ten, that's fantastic, right? There are 90% of schools out there that would 100% take 10 draft picks, even if they're in the sixth round, any day of the week. But because we're Michigan and Ohio State has those seven in the top three rounds and, and 10 total, then we're, you know, technically a failure because our measuring stick is always going to be up against Ohio State. Very well said. Nate, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the thing that we've been uh, lacking is high-skilled or high-draft picks that are from skill positions. So when I think about, like, Michigan teams that have been really good, right, quarterbacks, um, Chad Henney, second-round pick, right, Uh, uh, Javon Walker, first-round pick, Uh, Braylon Edwards, first round pick. Uh, Anthony Thomas, I, I, I don't remember, but I, I, I believe he was a high draft pick. Uh, same thing with Chris Perry, I think taken in the top ten. Um, so you have high skilled guys. Jason Avant, right, had a great NFL career with the Eagles. Um, so you have a lot of that. That's one thing I think we have been lacking for sure. Um, we have not had a quarterback um, that's been drafted except for Jake Rudock, but I think he was a fifth or sixth round pick. Um, so I, I think that's what we're missing. Skill positions um, being drafted uh, pretty far up there. Right now we just have a lot of defensive linemen, uh, defensive backs, um, offensive linemen. But I, I can't remember, and this is what I talked about last time, um, we need 
uh, running back and some wide receivers to really show some impact on to really like emerge themselves as the it guy, right? That's what we need at Michigan. We need the it guy, right? That's what Ohio State has had. J.K. Dobbins, um, Maurice Claret. So where's where's ours? We haven't had that guy, right? We've had guys who have gone to the NFL and done a pretty good job. Fitzgerald Toussaint was one who I think of as like, I don't remember him having this crazy Michigan career, but he ended up going to the NFL and doing pretty well. Um, I think he signed a big deal, but um, you know what I mean. It's We need guys who are going to... Playmakers at the skill position. Yeah. Yep. 100%. I mean, that we need playmakers at the skill position and a QB who can sling it, right? Uh, I mean... Hopefully Dylan or Joe can be that those guys and JJ McCarthy's coming in and hopefully um I mean the coaches let those guys shine, bro. Yeah, and I just want to say too, you know, although we are a step behind Ohio State still in these, you know, statistics and in this measuring stick, we're still so much better off with Harbaugh than we were before. The, <laughs> the NFL NFL that's where it's like you know, you can give Harbaugh as much shit as you want, but if you think we should just get rid of him and go to somebody else at this point, man, think about what we were like in 2011, you know, 2009, 2010. So the the draft picks, um, Michigan's NFL draft picks over the last decade, the five years before Jim Harbaugh from 2011 to 15, we had 13, one first-round pick. And in the last five years of Harbaugh, from 2016 to 2020, we have 31 picks with five first-rounders. So you're doubling, over-doubling your NFL draft picks, um, which is where, you know, I see the, th- the people put out statistics of, like, Brady Hoke's record was exactly the same or close to what Harbaugh's is. You know, we're in the same boat. We haven't improved at all. Um, you know, at least Brady Hoke improved over his years or whatever. Like, no, man, Jim Harbaugh is still the guy right now. There's not going to be anybody out there that, that does better at this point. Um, it, it's still, you know, we're, we're just, the rest of the country is here. And then there's us. And then there's Ohio state, Bama, Clemson, you know, we're just not, we're not quite on that next year, but we're a close, close, um, step behind. Yeah, hundred percent. I actually, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Um, okay, so who's going to replace these guys who did get drafted? I mean, we know we got some great players uh, backing them up. We've kind of talked about this a little bit, but let's just you know set it in stone here, quote unquote, for right now. Um, Nate, what do you think? Um. Honestly, I'm just trying to trying to well, think like, who I'll, we got. I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll help and go through it a little bit. Here. The lineman's what I'm worried about. That's really what I'm worried about. Yeah, um, I mean the easy ones here are um, Lavert Hill will be replaced by Vincent Gray, who has already gotten some time at corner and had um, actually had some really good spots last year. Um, I think that's a done deal. Josh Metellus by Dax Hill. Probably a big upgrade, honestly. So um, Huge. I think I think we're excited about the um, the back um, the cornerbacks in the the secondary there. Um, Jordan Glasgow w- being replaced by Josh Ross, 
also probably an upgrade be just because, you know, Glasgow showed he did, he did very well, but he's a walk-on. You know, we have to start replacing these walk-on guys, even though they show out with three, four, five-star guys. And Josh Ross is one of those. Um, and then uh, Hudson, at, uh, Michael Barrett is going to be a stud um, to replace Kalik at the Viper position. Um, and then you get into the O-line. And this is where, like Nate said, definitely some question marks. Um, so Andrew Stuber is going to be in there for Michael Nguyenu, probably. Um, Carpenter will be in there at center for Ruiz. Um, for Bradison, it'll be uh, Filiaga or Barnhart. And then Runyon, it'll be Hayes. And I don't know if you guys know this, but there are next to zero starts for any of those guys. <laughs> so, yeah, Nate, if you want to talk about just how, I don't know how we're going to improve that or have them step in there. Well, I think um, just to mention something positive, right? It was kind of the same way a couple of years ago with uh, the guys that just got drafted now. It was like, hey, these guys haven't really played. Uh, there's a lot of questions, and uh, Ed Warner really turned them around. So, uh I guess it will be interesting to see all these guys kind of develop. Um, I think it's actually, it'll be pretty exciting to watch these guys uh, um, develop. And maybe, maybe in two years, we're, we're going to be talking about all these guys getting drafted again. So I don't know. That's all I got to say. No, that's a great yeah, I mean, outlook. I've, I've got my faith in, in Warner. I mean, we've seen that he can develop linemen from university to university that he's gone to. And I know he's really excited about a lot of these guys, especially Ryan Hayes, um, you know, former basketball player, used to be a tight end, converted to a lineman, super athletic, uh, who, who would be our left tackle with Mayfield on the right side. We've seen what Mayfield can do. Uh, Filiaga was a highly rated uh, lineman recruit coming in, so he'll do a great job at the guard position. Um Carpenter, I honestly have no idea. We'll see what he does. Uh, but obviously, Warner knows what he's doing in developing these guys. And then um, Andrew Stuber, he was a guy that was fighting for a starting position beginning of the season before he got hurt. So um, I think I'm not worried about the line at all, honestly, just because of Warner and uh, what he can do with the lineman uh, that he's done in the past. So I, I think that can be another one of our strong positions coming in. Yeah. That- yeah. Very nice. I was just, I was just gonna say I think we got to throw the bag at Warner, man. We we got to keep him at all <laughs> yes. costs. I mean, if you look at it for the past year or two, uh, our offensive line compared to the past ten, it is light years above that. So make sure we got to protect him, man, and, and keep him in in Ann Arbor. Yeah, another couple positions here. I mean, defensive end Michael Dana could be replaced with Luigi Villane. Your boy. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> Best name in college football. Uh, DPJ gone might be Giles Jackson. I think act- that's actually a pretty solid lock right there. Uh, but then Josh Uche. Uh, not really sure who's going to be taking that sh- that spot there. Maybe that Julius Welshoff guy we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Um, you never know. It's kind of wide German. open. So uh, I'm not sure who's going to take that spot, but it's open, and I'm sure we'll replace it with somebody um, – Somebody's very deserving and very, very skillful. Um, so, what do you guys that'd be, say? That'd be a, that'd be the scariest thing of all time, just getting <laughs> tackled by some giant German guy. 
<laughs> he cusses you out in German. Yeah, afterwards. he's like saying like, something in German. Like, oh, you that dude's on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to play Michigan this week, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what do you guys say we try this new segment we got here? Zero to 90. Love it. Let's go. All right. Each of you will have 30 seconds to do a rant of your choice. Um, once that's over, I will cut you off. I will snip the cord and get you out of this Skype chat and then move on. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. All right, Jack, we'll start with you. Ready? 30 seconds starting now. All right. Joe Milton, QB1. I'm very easily persuaded. Okay, I know I had McCaffrey last week, but I saw some highlights of Joe Milton. And I don't say look at some highlights of Patrick Mahomes. Milton is being compared to the wrong NFL quarterback. He is not Cam Newton. He's Patrick Mahomes, man. He can run. He can sling it from any arm angle. He's got the big arm. Joe Milton, QB1. 2021 or 2020, whenever the season's going to be. <laughs> Nate, All right. go. That was, that was uh, great. Nate, ready? Your 30 seconds starts now. Well, Jack, you, you just ruined my my thirty seconds. <laughs> um, I would I, I do want to talk about Caesar Ruiz. I feel like he was almost the highlight story of the draft. Um, it was great. Uh, there was so much uh, talk about him at the draft. Um, I just really loved it, and especially he was one of those players that you just like fall in love with and just love his uh, um, his attitude that he's had at Michigan. So I just loved seeing him get drafted, and they also did a great job. The okay, gym. there's your 30 seconds. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ro, you ready? All right. 30 seconds starting now. All right, here is your stat of the day. There are more undrafted free agents in the Hall of Fame than number one overall picks in the Hall of Fame. There are 17 undrafted free agents and 14 number one overall picks in the Hall of Fame. So, don't sleep on LaVert Hill. He could be in the Hall of Fame one day. I'm not going to say Shea Patterson's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but <laughs> the NFL draft doesn't mean as much as you think it does. So these guys that went late in the sixth round. Ooh, and- there you go. There's your 30 there you seconds. All right. No, that was pretty good, though. Actually, I liked it all. Jack, you are easily persuaded. <laughs> <laughs> that was so yeah. quick, man. Yeah. Come on. So now I'm by myself. I think it was I'm- three days. <laughs> I'm by myself on the McCaffrey train. Oh, God. Oh, man. All right. Well, that was our show for this week. Uh, thanks for checking us out. Blue by 90. If you have anything to say, send us an email at bluebuy90 at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram, bluebuy90. Um, Twitter, we're also bluebuy90. And then YouTube, we're at bluebuy90podcast. Um, also, we have a shout out for. Uh, Jelani, AK57, happy birthday. Hope you enjoy your 18th birthday. We appreciate your support, and go blue. Go blue. Happy birthday, man. Go blue.